0: Welcome in Sunday reaction show here on always college football a lot that we need to get to not a lot of games in the SEC that were important but the top team in the country the Georgia Bulldogs they did have a test they had to go on the road to Tennessee where they took care of business and looked really good in the process Carson Beck is one of the best quarterbacks in the country a lot of people say well I don't know. know I gotta see more maybe you can't run that well like Carson Beck's legit man just watch him watch the accuracy over the last Six or seven weeks, starting with the Kentucky game. He's really been great all year. People just don't want to give him his flowers. I don't, I don't know why. Probably because they haven't seen enough from him. He doesn't make enough highlight real plays, but he's among the best quarterbacks in the country. I think he should be in the Heisman Trophy running. I think he's that good. And he's played excellent this year. They run away with it there after what was an interesting start. <laughs> First play touchdown for Jalen Wright. But after that, there wasn't a whole lot there for Tennessee. I don't think that was as much about Tennessee as it was about Georgia. Sometimes it's like, well, is Tennessee that bad or is Georgia that good? I think it's more about Georgia's that good. They've really found themselves the last couple weeks. The return of Brock Bowers has been massive. Rosamie saint has been really important for them as well. Big body receiver that's physical that can handle some of those down the field throws. So very impressed with Georgia. Nothing about that performance. was all that surprising. If I'm going to get into it a little bit more, we'll get into it. On Monday. They are legit. Very big fan of what the Georgia Bulldogs are doing right now. Ohio State, they handle their business. Never thought that Minnesota was going to have much of a chance, uh, partly because I think Minnesota's offense is atrocious. Um, they don't have enough athletes. I mean, if you're going to beat Ohio State and you've got to be able to score a couple points, and they don't have enough athletes. It's as simple as that. They don't have dudes that are going to really scare you on the perimeter. So there's not going to be a whole lot that would. Concern Ohio State. That was an excellent performance. I don't know if it's any indicator for what's coming next week, but still feel good about what you did there taking care of business against a team that you should take care of business against. Maryland and Michigan. Not a clinic. Thought it might be. They're after the first quarter sitting there, and I'm actually doing the game up against it. So I have not had a chance to watch the tape just yet, but we're doing Miami Louisville. And I had it on the bottom right screen of one of our monitors. And it seemed like Michigan was completely controlling the game until something switched, something flipped, something adjusted. And I've read some articles about what went down. Sounds like Talia talking Lowe, had a pretty good day outside of the interceptions. But sounds like he had a pretty good day throwing the football. Sounds like they did a pretty decent job, at least after the first quarter of... Figuring things out defensively had a couple had a red zone pick had a couple things that that we haven't really seen from Michigan this year uh, a couple self inflicted mistakes but I think that Maryland's a little bit dangerous I remember watching this game last year I remember calling this game last year actually Ohio State was at Maryland the week before and my goodness it felt so similar didn't it I mean even in the final moments of the game. Talia Tagovailoa against Ohio State last year with a chance to go down and win it with the ball in his hands, a couple minutes left to play. He was dropping into his own end zone against the Buckeyes in 22. Well, here we are in 23, and it was like rinse and repeat, just change out the opponent. It was almost the exact same scenario. So looking at uh, Michigan, I think they'll be fine. We'll, of course, preview everything for next week's game between Ohio State and Michigan. It's going to be an incredible performance. Florida State, and North Alabama is a slow start here, but the big story is Jordan Travis's injury. Um, I've tweeted this last night, and people are like, Well, you don't, you, how are you supposed to tackle? We might as well play flag. Y'all, the hip drop tackle is not a safe tackle. It's like the horse collar 15, 16 years ago. I remember when T.O. broke his leg because of the horse collar, Terrell Owens? And everyone's like, Oh, the horse collar is dangerous. Yeah, it is. Well, so is the hip drop. And they decided to make the horse collar tackle, a 15 yard penalty and the hip drop, I think is something that we can phase out of the game. If we enforce it with a penalty, it's, it's a dirty, it's not a dirty play. It's a dangerous play. And that's what happened to Jordan. Travis probably has a tip fib broken leg, nasty scene I feel terrible for him. He's truly one of my favorite players, uh, that I've covered in gosh, my entire career. I mean, we've called, probably seven or eight games of his over the course of his career to this year, and then multiple games in the last handful. And it's just heartbreaking to see him go down. It it really is. And, And I feel terrible for him. If that is the final play of his college career, what a college career it was. And hopefully we can phase out the hip drop tackle. We've seen so many lower leg injuries gruesome lower leg injuries because of the hip drop tackle. And I talked to Booker McFarland. He called me last night saying, how do you want to get rid of it? And I said, all we got to do is just continue to teach defenders to drive through the tackle. What if you're getting drug? Who cares? Like, so you give up a yard or two because you're getting drug. How about you just drive through the tackler? We never saw the hip drop technique seven, eight years ago. It's a new technique. So let's, Drive through the tackler. And I'm not. this doesn't make me soft, by the way. There's human beings in those uniforms. We're not gladiators. So if we can make the game safer, we should do whatever we can to try to move it in that direction. But just hate it for Jordan Travis and, and feel terrible for him. I'm so bummed. I'm so bummed about that injury. And those that are already saying, well, Florida State needs to move down because their quarterback's injured. Okay. That is, a, that is an argument I will never be in support of ever, under any circumstances, because the team is more than one individual. All right, if you're measuring them against other undefeateds, would that factor in? Perhaps, to an extent. But how do we know what Tate Rodemaker is going to be able to do? How did you feel? How would you have felt, excuse me, if when Jaden DeLora, we'll use an example from this year. I could go back many, many years, but I'll use the example from this year. Arizona football. The uh, Arizona football team lost their quarterback early in Jaden DeLora. They put in Noah Fafita, and Noah Fafita's been way better than Jaden DeLora. Like, way better. So how do you know? Maybe Tate is going to be just as good. Maybe he's going to be just a slight drop-off. Are you really going to penalize the rest of the roster because of Jordan Travis's injury? You shouldn't. It is a team game after all. So I can't get on board with the, oh, well, they need to move down now. They, they lost their quarterback. we should That should impact their ranking. No. What should impact their ranking is who they beat, how they beat them, and how they look. And we don't know yet what Tate Roadmaker is going to be able to do. So I'm not going to sit here and be that concerned at the moment. Florida State, in my opinion, is still very much in control of their own destiny. Washington was a team that I thought was going to struggle this week. And then when I saw the forecast, I was like, oh boy, this is not going to be good for the Washington Huskies. Just being honest. Rain falling there in Corvallis, Oregon. It obviously had an impact on the passing game. DJ Ungalale and Michael Penix, not really as efficient as they've been this year. But what was most intriguing to me was just how well washington's defense played at times in the game there were moments in the game now i'm not going to sit here and say that washington is now the 85 bears they're not but there have been moments and steps taken by that side of the football for the last few weeks so i am highly encouraged by the growth i've seen at that position on that side of the ball Braylon trice made a couple nice plays last uh last night and i thought that that was the perfect situation for washington to lose team that hadn't been playing that well rain in the forecast against a team that can pound it got a good run game going up against that can play some keep away and it wasn't a factor I did think that Oregon State had some chances there in the second half I didn't think Washington played their best football in the second half of that game but they did enough and anyone that is continuing to doubt Washington is I I just I don't know what you expect like what do you want from them like they've now gone on the road multiple times. They went on the road and beat Arizona. They went and beat Oregon State, a really good Oregon State team. People will say, that's just Oregon State. Oregon State's really good. If you try to make an argument that they're not, that's an uninformed argument. They're really good. And to be able to go on the road and get that done was pretty dang remarkable. I think that Washington has the third best resume in college football. And I almost feel like, I almost feel like you can make a case that it's the second best. Because some people would probably have Ohio State in front of them as far as just sheer resume, right? We're not talking eye test. We're not talking about anything like that. I'm talking just sheer resume. Like, what has Ohio State done? Um, Well, Ohio State's been amazing on defense and has really gotten better as the season's gone along. They've beaten Notre Dame. They've taken care of business against Penn State. But I think you could really make an argument that Washington should be higher. It's like people are waiting for them to fail. I, by the way, am one of them. I thought they were going to lose last week. I really did. People are waiting for them to fail, but they continue to get through it. And they're not a flawless team. There's no doubt. They are flawed in places. Absolutely. You don't play the way you did against Arizona State. You don't play the way you did... you know at times even last night they they're a little bit inconsistent but that's a really good football team and they should be higher in the rankings than where they're at they shouldn't be 5 they should be higher and i'm hoping that the committee will acknowledge what they've accomplished here in the upcoming rankings oregon goes on the road smashes arizona state very efficient day from Bo Nix. We've come to kind of expect that from him. So it's not really that surprising. Texas, a lot of people thought they were going to be in trouble on the road at Iowa State. They did not start well in the game. Second quarters, things started to settle down a little bit, but they did finish. as the first time we've seen in a while. Texas got better as the game went along, not peaking and then drifting off. I thought that was a really good win for the Texas Longhorns. They now will head to the Big 12 Championship game. And... Big, big! I think performance from them. I didn't know what C.J. Baxter was going to be able to do filling in. I, I, I'm, I know that Jonathan Brooks has been kind of their heartbeat for sure. Have had a ton of respect for him all season long. But I felt like C.J. Baxter in time will be just as good. I didn't think it'd be the first game, <laughs> so I was very encouraged by what I saw from C.J. Baxter. I think he's got a chance to be a good player. As things move forward, and I don't know if there's going to be a huge drop-off in running back production there for the Longhorns. That's nothing against Jonathan Brooks. That's more out of a sign of admiration for C.J. Baxter. So very encouraged there. Missouri gets the game-winning field goal. Harrison Mevis, that's his second, I believe, game-winning field goal this year. One against Missouri, one against Kansas State. So a good win for them. Louisville punches their ticket to the ACC title game. We were on the call for it. That was a highly entertaining game. If you didn't watch it, I feel bad for you because it was an awesome game, man. It was back and forth, lead changes, ties, big drama there at the end of the game with some Miami penalties, cost them 30 yards of field position when they were trying to do Hail Mary, and then they gave Louisville an opportunity to kind of get the ball off the goal line. It was wildly chaotic, and I thought Miami had a a good plan. They, They played pretty well offensively. It just wasn't enough uh, as Louisville and Jeff Brom will be heading to the ACC title game in his first season. So very excited for them. That is their first ACC title game as well. Uh, They didn't have to win yesterday, but since North Carolina lost, that secured their spot. Even if North Carolina had won, it didn't matter because Louisville took care of business. Some other notable finishes. uh, Loved... Seeing some of the pictures on Twitter of Illinois and Iowa being three-two after the first quarter, uh, I got a chuckle out of that. Not going to lie, Arizona hammers Utah. I'm telling Utah's just not very good. With all due respect, I've been saying this for weeks, and people have said, "Whoa, what do you mean?" Utah's lost three of their or four of their last seven, and they're just not very good. They're really inconsistent. Really inconsistent. They don't have enough offense. Arizona, meanwhile, is excellent. and what a season so far for Jed Fish and company. Kansas State takes care of Kansas in the annual, I believe it's the Sunflower Bowl. I I think that's what it is, but don't quote me on it. (laughs) Oklahoma State bounces back after a really ugly first half to beat Houston. They should be in prime position. If I'm not mistaken, they've either clinched or they're a game or two away. Their magic number's about one. To head to the Big 12 title game, so they're in a prime spot heading into the final weekend of the season to potentially get to the Big 12 title game. And then Tulane Green Wave—they took care of business. They should be the top Group of Five team as of right now. It's a really entertaining weekend. I know I didn't hit Alabama. I'm doing that on purpose because I don't want to see games against FCS teams in November anymore. I just don't. I'm sorry, and that goes for—that's not a, a shot at Alabama. That's—that's that's a shot across the board. Like I don't want to see games against North Alabama. I don't want to see games against Chattanooga. I don't want to see games against, you know, whoever at this point of the season. Play them in September. And I, I don't I don't like seeing them. I I I will not have one conclusion from that game. It's worthless. It's absolutely worthless. And it needs to go away. And hopefully the SEC will do the right thing moving forward and adopt a nine game conference schedule, hopefully. And I think that'll probably come. And then we'll do away with these November games against FCS opponents where the spread's 30. However, there is the one example this week where Auburn lost to New Mexico State. Shout out to Jerry Kill and Diego Pavia. Uh, those guys are awesome. They're a really good football team. They're heading to the Conference USA title game. That's a really good football team. and Auburn found out the hard way because that was a clinic. They made so many timely plays. Like Auburn has them in like a third and long situation, then boom, they'd make a play. It was wild, man. So congratulations to Jerry Kill and company and the Aggies for their big win. But that was about the only game of significance in the SEC on the weekend that didn't include Georgia and South Carolina and the teams that actually played real competition. So can we please get rid of the FCS game? Like, it's enough. I mean, it's 2023. It's enough. We're moving to the 12-team playoff. Let's get rid of the FCS game in November. So those are the takeaways for today. We will be back with you tomorrow. Have a bunch more for you here on Always College Football. Please like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast and check back tomorrow for our 10 takeaways and our top six and all of our customary fun Monday show ideas. We also... Um, this will be a little bit of a different week with games being played on Thursday that, that are really significant. We'll, we're probably going to put out a show a little earlier. So if you check back in. I'll tell you exactly what our show distribution schedule is going to look like this week, but it's going to be different than it's been. So just keep a heads up. We'll have a show out on Wednesday for you more than likely so that wherever you're driving for this Thanksgiving holiday, you'll be able to be prepared for some of the matchups that are going to be going on on Thursday, Friday, and of course on Saturday. So for all of us here at Always College Football, for Mark, Jake, Jack, Jack, I'm Greg. We hope you have an amazing day. And remember, it's always college football.